You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast. We read them so you don't have to, because we weren't able to unstick the massive container ships from the canals of our souls. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Benedict Shrimp Toast in person. Benedict! Hey, you said you like shrimp toast. It's a compliment. You said you like shrimp toast. Uh, I do Benedict. Like toast, but not not cinnamon toast <laughs> shrimp, which is a different, whole different thing. <laughs> I was considering going with cinnamon toast shrimp, but I thought yeah. I'd keep it more relevant to you. So, Benedict, what sort of video games you into? Ooh, uh, like a sports game. I do like a sports game. I have to yep. say, I know you're so you're like big on a, the Fifas, the Fifas of this world. I used to play uh, like the Madden series as well. I haven't played those for a few years though. Um, and then like an open world, like, uh, like Oblivion or Skyrim mm-hmm. or like Assassin's Creed. Do you ever get those, into the those Fallout are, Those are games. my vibes. No, I didn't do Fallout, no. Oh, huge Fallout fan. Love me some Fallout. That's right up my alley. I'm bad at stuff with like ranged weapons. So I, I like, I like to, I don't like, I panic when I have to aim at shit. So I was bad okay. at that. I was bad at Halo. I was okay yep. at the, what was the one with like the, it was made by Naughty Dog and it was like the descendant of Francis Drake that did like treasure hunting. Oh, uh, uh, yes. I know exactly the game. You're, I, I Nathan, own most Nathan, of those games. Nathan Nathan's, Drake. Yes. Nathan yeah. Drake. Uh, what were they called? Uncharted. The Uncharted, Uncharted games. Yeah. That was the only one where I had to have a ranged weapon that I was okay at. Because <laughs> you could just hide behind shit and fire Yeah, they made corners, those ones really simple. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a little big fan. I love the open world games. I love that kind of stuff. Um, recently, I've, I've found that as I age, the games that appeal to me are slightly different. Uh-huh. I like games with more storytelling in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that makes sense. Recently, I've gotten really deep into these storytelling games, uh, particularly the ones put out by Quantic Dream. Okay. Uh, so, like, uh, Beyond Two Souls, Detroit Become Human, Heavy Rain, if you've ever heard of any of those. Yep. They're basically movies with a little bit of interactivity that you need to do on your okay. controller incredibly good incredibly well done give you the feels to them like they do storytelling so good yeah they just it's like like if you ever played the last of us one of the greatest games I ever made i haven't played it but i've seen it like I've seen yeah bits of it. yeah and the last of us 2 which came out i think late last year sometime uh took it to a whole new level is an absolutely amazing game that just mm. like you're emotionally destroyed by the end of that game 
You are absolutely, it's a zombie game, but it's really not about zombies. The zombies <laughs> barely matter to the plot. Nothing, so, no no zombie anything is ever really about zombies, is it? That's no. Like, it's the most, like, allegorical, I, th- I feel absolutely. like zombies might be the most allegorical monster in the world. Yeah, but love, love me those kind of games. That's what I, I think I, I'm, I'm into not, more not these Not to days. get too, too sidetracked, but I think it's interesting, like, how, especially going forward, how video game storytelling interacts with more traditional storytelling not not just like in the reverse way that what we're kind of talking about so like for example like the charlie booker you know do you remember that like it was like a choose your own adventure netflix like one film or something that was like a the uh the bandersnatch right black yeah 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 Yeah. bandersnatch um so he was a video game journalist Mm -hmm. before and so like it, it has a lot of video game vibes so i'm interested in how that is going to develop as you know we get more control and determining our own path through a story i think that's only going to become more and more utilized and interesting hopefully yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. Like, video games are a legitimate storytelling genre. They they legitimately, they're developing right now because the technology is at a place where they can finally do things that are far more advanced. And I think, like, you know, the Mass Effect trilogy back in the day, which, you know, isn't that old, did it first. Maybe not first, but they did it, I think, the best earliest in a way that was spectacular. Anyways, we're way off topic. Benedict. <laughs> Let's get started with this show. I could talk video games all day, but let's get started with this whole show thing we do. Do you have a hot take for us this week? I do. I do. So uh, my hot take this week is that, uh, and I'm just trying to figure out how to formulate this so it doesn't sound weird, but Spanish music is the best sunshine music. So music in in Spanish language is just, like it hits different. Summertime Spanish music is better than summertime English music. I feel like English is it, better man. for being I'm from all, California. All depressed I grew up and playing it. I get it. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it it does. It, it just I think it's probably just because of the way we associate things in our minds. But yeah, you yeah. you associate Spanish language music with sunshine and warmth and all those those good feels yeah. that you have going on yeah absolutely. It, it's probably just because i spent a lot of my summers in spain to be honest and that that's probably why it hits me that way as you say <laughs> like it's like a nostalgia thing but it just it hits you a little bougie bitch <laughs> it, that's, okay hold on going to spain from the uk is like going to fucking sacramento from san francisco like it's not it's all like la it's not like a bougie destination for a european like it's like oh we gotta go see grandma back in sacramento yeah i get it i get it hop in the car we got a two-hour drive ahead of us i understand yeah exactly it's nothing it's nothing to us europeans well that's fair that's fair uh, my hot take this week. My hot take. A little simple. Uh, garlic is overrated. Oh no. Uh, no 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 no. Or no, maybe no, I no, should no, say no. more. I should no, no. I should clarify. Liking garlic is not a personality. That's uh, fine. Sure. <laughs> I accept there. that. Have Have you told all Italians though? <laughs> I'm afraid of what they would do to me if I did. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, there are plenty of things where people like pr- pretending that you're afraid of clowns. Also not a personality, right? Liking a shit. What about of garlic, actually being afraid of ca- clowns? <laughs> okay. The five people who are actually afraid of clowns. Fine. You can have that for everyone else who doesn't have anything interesting about themselves to say being afraid of clowns, not a real thing and not a personality. <laughs> 
Okay, so who who have you clashed with about whether garlic is a personality? Oh, it was it was just for complete happenstance. Just saw a bunch of my friends uh, talking about garlic and how much they loved garlic. None of them listen to this show, so none of them will know that I'm complaining about them. But no, that's not a personality. Fuck off. Fuck off. Your six-hour conversation on our Facebook. Uh, group thread uh, about how much you all love garlic and what you love garlic on. That is not a personality. I hate all of you. I love all of you, but I hate all of you. And no, no, <laughs> stop it now. None of, none of them are listening to this anyway, so don't worry about it. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not worried. I'm absolutely not worried. So anyways, <laughs> why don't we get started with what we have for you this week. This is, of course, the show where usually what we do is we dig down, we dig deep, deep, deep into the rotten apple barrel trying to find the one, the one good apple, which of course, as we know, has not been tainted by those millions of other bad apples currently on trial. Um, because that's not how the saying goes. It's that all the bad apples don't spoil the good ones, right? That's how that works. Of right-wing thought. <laughs> that's what we're looking for. <laughs> yeah, someone, I think Helen... That Helen one got Rosa. away from me because I've been watching no, too fine. much of the George Floyd trial. It's fine. Helen Rosner of The New Yorker wrote a whole piece, I think, like, right around the George Floyd trial of, like, how bad apples really do spoil the whole bunch. And, like, if you look at nature and just put one bad apple in a barrel of good apples, you'll have a bunch of bad apples real quick. What I also saw someone um, say ironically, and I think I think it's, you have to keep in mind that it was ironic, is uh, that they weren't watching the George Floyd trial. They're going to wait until all the episodes are out and binge watch it which I think has a lot to say about our attention spans and how we are yeah. able to pay attention to important things that are going on. Right. So if you're watching the George Floyd trial, uh, keep watching. I, I think it's a good thing to know what's going on there. Also, I think it's good when people um, are active in important causes. So yeah, keep watching the yeah. George Floyd trial. I'm hopeful it's going to turn out the way we want it to. It's going pretty well as of right now as we're recording on, uh, on Monday uh, or Tuesday, whatever today is. But we'll see how it turns out in the end. Uh, I should also note, housekeeping, you know, rate and review us on iTunes, follow us on the socials, become a patron, all that stuff. Also, patrons, you may notice when you hear this, that it is not being released at your normal time of 3.10 a.m. Eastern Time on Ooh. Tuesday. Uh, but uh, we had a little bit of delay this week because I had to take the MPRE, the Multi-State Professional Responsibility Exam, big fancy lawyer exam I had to go do. So we got a little bit of a delay over the weekend as I was studying and then doing that. But we're here recording on Tuesday afternoon, so hopefully I can still have it out to you a little bit earlier than everybody else gets it uh, later on this afternoon. But with that, all out of the way. Benedict, this week, this is, of course, another interstitial episode. And I mentioned last time, what we're doing right now is our little mini-series about PragerU. The first episode... We went over a smattering of the selection available from the PragerU five-minute videos, all those, uh, those things mm -hmm. they're known for mm -hmm, pretty mm -hmm. well. Today, what we're going to talk about in a little bit more detail is Dennis Prager himself, gotcha. who is okay. the man, who is the man and the university. Uh, it is so just Dennis Prager, you. It is basically just Dennis Prager. That is what astounds me. Uh, we're going to talk about Prager University in the next interstitial. We're going to go in more in-depth on that, where it came from, what it's done, how successful perhaps it's been. We're going to mm. learn more about that. But today, Benedict, how much do you know about Dennis Prager? Not very much. 
not very, but you have some some vague familiarity. Yeah, like I, 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 I have the, the fam- familiarity of Prager right. you and like he's sometimes on there and he seems like he's not as charismatic as a lot of the people that he no. gets to do the videos. No, he is so not. So it feels, it feels <laughs> like he was like, you know, at least self-recognized that he is not the most charismatic individual, which is good. No. That's good. We love some self-awareness. He has some he has some definite self-awareness, which has led him to find people more talented in some ways than him and have them do all the heavy lifting to get this university of his off the ground. So Dennis Mark Prager mm-hmm. uh, is 72 years old. He's born on August 2nd, 1942 in Brooklyn, New York, not far from where you are right now. Right. I don't know how far you are from Brooklyn. I have no idea, but reasonably, I but not as far yeah. as I could be. Like yeah. Ge- geographically, I could be further away. Far. Yeah, yeah, true. You might like to be. I don't know. Is it a good place? A bad place? I don't know. I'm not place. a New Yorker. Spirit- I have no idea. Spiritually, I'm in Brooklyn. Okay, all I know is hipsters live there. Uh, but uh, in his early life, right, he grew up in a Jewish household. Um, not much to say about what went on in those early years. Obviously, with the 1940s and 1950s, so he was a young child, and we don't keep much attention to things that happened back then. And also, nobody has paid much attention to Dennis Prager. So there is not as great documentation about him as I would like as there are for people like, say, Rush Limbaugh or Glenn Beck, some of the other more high-profile figures that we've talked about on this show. But the extent of his post-high school education are a few classes he took at Columbia University and the University of Leeds in the UK. Ooh, interesting. Uh, neither of which he ever received a degree from. He seems to have just spent a couple years maybe doing some classes, doing a little bit of traveling, never really finishing the deal, right? Okay. But in 1969, when he was living in the UK, presumably going to the University of Leeds, Mm. he was recruited by a Jewish group to go to the Soviet Union and learn about the state of Soviet Jews. And after that trip, which he spent a couple months going on, uh, he became a speaker on the topic, going around the United States and other areas, giving talks about what was going on with Jews in the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And this began his career, where originally, before he became a radio host, political figure, polemicist, he was basically just talking about the Jewish community and writing apologetics. If you don't know what apologetics is, apologetics is basically trying to say, oh, our, our religion makes sense. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know. uh, uh, apologetics in the religious sense, rather than actually apologizing, which, of course, Dennis Prager right. would never do. Never, 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 no. But he was writing a lot of Jewish apologetics, and some of his earliest books are in that vein. So one of the, I think maybe the first book he ever published is called The Nine Questions People Ask About Judaism, uh, with a rabbi named okay. Joseph Telishkin in 1986. Uh, some of his other, I'll give you a couple of his other published works right now. And I will say at one point I did consider maybe doing a PragerU book. This is a couple months ago when we were looking at what the next one we would do was. And I went through his bibliography and just realized there's nothing there for us. It's all either really (laughs) boring, just basic self-help nonsense or, you know, religious work, which that's not what our show is about. So he wrote, for example, uh, Still the best hope why the world needs American values to triumph in 2012, which Ben Shapiro's book is basically that, but people cared when it was ish- when it yeah. came out. Uh, yeah. He wrote the Ten Commandments, still the best moral code in 2015. He wrote cool. the Rational Bible, Exodus in 2018, followed by the Rational Bible, Genesis in 2019. So yeah, not a whole lot there that would tickle our fancy in particular. But 
1982, he began his radio career on KABC AM in Los Angeles, Ooh, hosting okay. a show called Religion Why did he, on the Why all these weird dudes end up in big it's cities? Always. Like, you would I, think I don't it's very know. weird. Like, who are the big city people listening to this? Well, I got to say, uh, it's not just, well, I don't want to say big cities, but my hometown of Sacramento also has some skin in the game and some blame for the state of the right wing and every all the terrible figures that have come out of there because Rush Limbaugh got his first big start in Sacramento on KFBK, Morning News Good Radio, uh, which is a show that my dad listened to when I was growing up, uh, a station we listened to, right, in the car, all that. Uh, Tom Sullivan, who's another big right wing talk show figure, got his start on KFBK. Uh, Glenn Beck really hit it big time when he went to Sacramento. That's when his syndication really took off. It's like the proving ground of of weird right-wing dudes. Well, it's because, and I I looked into the backstory of it at one time, but KFBK was owned by this guy who was big into starting syndication and thought that that was going to be the next move in talk radio. And so really went for the push and was connected with a lot of other people in the talk radio world. And it was at a time when uh, radio news stations were being uh, deregulated. So these big conglomerates could buy up all these different stations and start syndicating across a ton of different stations across the country. So it's a lot of timing and it's a lot of individuals who we'd be better off if they just had decided not to do what they did. So... (laughs) 82, he began with this show, Religion on the Line, which eventually, it was just a weekend show. It was like an hour a week show, which eventually led to him getting a weekday, a daily syndicated radio show. Um, And that's where he sort of took off from there. And he still does the radio show to this day. He still has the Dennis Prager show. That still goes Mm -hmm. on. Um, But of course, he's gotten involved in all this other activity, which he's much more known for. Let's talk a little bit about his political views, right? So, Okay, yeah, I'm interested in this. Let's do this. Okay. We can have an idea of what he stands for, right, by by knowing what's on PragerU. We can assume that he wouldn't allow anything to be put on that site that he doesn't at least generally agree with because— So he loves communism. He loves— (laughs) Nope, nope, not so much. Um, He is, despite being a uh, right-wing— Jewish political figure, very supportive of the Christian right in the United States. And he's very active in That's quite criticizing... common, though, isn't it? I mean, I feel like we should say, you know, Israel and right-wing doom-mongers, well, end-times people yes, are often on the yes. same page. Like for, for a lot of people on the right, it doesn't matter what religious organization you're part of, you're, you're, you're pro-Christian groups because... They support the, the things that you do, yes. Um, he's been very active, though, in criticizing groups like the Anti-Defamation League when they point out anti-Semitism among the Christian right. Mm, um, he argues very often for uh, basically solidarity overall. Uh, he has this idea that, that comes up a lot in what he's saying, which nothing matters more than defeating the left. It doesn't matter what sins anyone on our side does as long as we defeat the left. That's what matters. That sounds very Dinesh-y. And he goes into a lot of the, the faux independence of saying, I, there's a difference between liberals and the left, right? Ugh, Obviously, disgusting. he would think that... It, it, he doesn't actually believe that in my no, and approximation. He, th- well, he, he thinks liberals don't exist, is the thing. And that right. all liberals on the... Like, that his idea of the liberal is probably like a classical liberal that is actually a right wing. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, the the, the uh, uh, Dave Rubens of the world. Yes, that's exactly who and we're talking about. Ideas. Yes, and of course, Dave Rubin, often on PragerU videos. So in 1996, he testified in favor of the Defense of Marriage Act in Congress, known as DOMA, uh, and said, quote, the acceptance of homosexuality as the equal of heterosexual marital love signifies the decline of Western civilization. Of course it does. Why wouldn't it? Why would yep. I bet he talks about Rome too somehow. <laughs> People love to do that. He's yes, he's one of those fucking guys. He's one of those fucking guys. But I do want to point out right that decline of western civilization. Uh they've been on that jag for a long time. It's not it's a new thing. Okay. It, people have been li- i'm listening to a podcast about rome at the moment and like literally with the defeat of carthage they were like well there goes all of our old virtue <laughs> there goes the western civilization yeah exactly <laughs> there, go- there goes the roman man like okay cool like whatever dude what yeah <laughs> yep in 2006 uh he attacked keith ellickson for existing as a muslim man uh, 2006 or 2006 keith ellison oh, wow was it's early yes. early on the keith ellison hate train that's yeah. good yeah he wrote quote insofar as a member of congress taking an oath to serve america and uphold its values is concerned america is interested in only one book the bible if you are incapable of sure. taking an oath on that book don't serve in congress this being of course because keith ellison is a muslim yeah he was of taking course, his oath on the not Quran. Not the Torah, also, which is a weird, like... Right, right. It's that same weird thing we get with Ben Shapiro. And I think a lot of it is they know their audience. They know there's, right, the the Jewish population in the United States is not that large, so they can't get a significant enough audience to make a living if they're just appealing to that. Uh, So they have to go for the Christian right. I think that's a large part of it. They know exactly who their audience is, and they're going to say things that appeal to them. Um, and of course, in 2016, Dennis Prager endorsed Donald Trump, despite Trump being literally diametrically opposed to all of the supposed values that Dennis Prager professes to believe in. Yeah. And I, yeah. Connor Friedersdorf, I think, in The Atlantic wrote a, a great article on this, uh, just attacking Prager and Connor Friedersdorf, whatever. Uh, but, you know, attacking uh, Dennis Prager's <laughs> consistency and hypocrisy on endorsing Donald Trump. And yeah. Prager will defend himself by saying what I said. Basically, it's more important to beat the left. And oh, Hillary yeah, but Clinton, that's what they obviously, all say. Of, of course, as Hillary Clinton is the epitome of leftism in the United States, it was more important to defeat her than uh, the horrible, hideous human being uh, that Donald Trump was. Even in the, the times when Dennis Prager openly said Donald Trump was a hideous human being. Um, another interest of Prager's appears to be, um, as a flaccid pile of pale white flesh, a pining about masculinity. Oh, um, cool. Of course, cool, cool. he has joined it's much a- of the modern right in attacking trans people. Uh, But beyond just that, he often likes to talk about masculinity and criticize people for not being masculine enough. My favorite thing about the whole Trump era, sorry, is whenever Uh Ben Garrison would do a painting of Trump (laughs) and just do like hyper-masculine, as if he's never seen his flabby body ever. (laughs) This is how all these dudes imagine themselves. Because like in the... Yes, Even yes. at 70, looking better than they ever did at, like, the peak of their powers somehow. Right, and it, the thing is, it's their idea of masculinity. Their idea of masculinity is tied to body image. But and none, of none of them look like that. None of them. None of them have ever looked like that. 
Absolutely not. You're 100% right. And Dennis Prager, if you've ever seen the guy, when you when you think of the word pale, he is what appears. If you say pale Trans, three times translucent, into a mirror, literally. yes, he appears behind you. This man is the opposite of masculinity, but I guess because he has a deep voice, he thinks that he qualifies. Kevin, as uh, you know, a deep voice definition. can get you a long way in life. Yes, it can. Yes, it can indeed, my friend. Uh, so, but current activity that he's going on, obviously, he still has his radio show. He still does that. Uh, I think it's still a weekly, uh, a weekday radio show going on every day. I don't listen to it, so I don't know. Uh, but PragerU, he founded in 2008 with his producer, Alan Estrin, who is a former mm-hmm. screenwriter who's done a couple of movies nobody really cares about. Um, but most of his activity these days is through Prager University. So, Beyond the five-minute videos in which he may make occasional guest appearances and his radio show, he does these fireside chat videos. Uh, And this is where most of his web content comes from. Uh, And a lot of them are interviews with other people. Some of them are just him solo. Most of them, I would say, are just him solo. Some of them have other people involved. But some of the titles of these are pretty great. So I'll give you a a sampling of some of the, the titles of these. So one... Uh, This is a very recent one. Episode 176 is titled, Is It the Greatest Mistake in Human History? Benedict, what do you want to guess it is? Electing Barack Obama. No. It is, in fact, measures to counter the coronavirus like quarantines. Cool. I wonder (laughs) if he realizes that the fireside chat was popularized by FDR. And that he is, in fact, paying homage to FDR. I've watched so many. I've watched so many of these fireside chat videos uh, to prepare for this episode and also to learn more about him because, you know, this is my obsession, learning about these right-wing figures. And I I have never seen him mention that, but I'm sure if I watched every single one, at some point he would have to address it because he's that kind of pedantic dick. Uh, So other titles of these, uh, for example... Cutting out family over politics, which is one I watched and which is so pathetically sad because it's Dennis pretending that it's just callers to his show who have told him about family members cutting them out of their lives over Trump. When I know, I know family members of Dennis have said, we don't want you around anymore. Does um, Does he have any kids or anything? Uh, I don't know if he's had any kids or anything. I don't, it's not something I looked into, and I, I never saw anything about that. Uh, right. Other examples of some of these videos, I'll, just go, I'll pick one more. Um, the, me, the meanness of the left. Oh, guest, that's true. Me, guest, me, me, the mean left. It me. With guest Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> was that after the smoky eye thing, presumably? I don't remember. That was probably after the, the restaurant thing. Uh, So all Uh, these fireside chat videos are him just sitting literally in a room in front of a fireplace with this dog that I am convinced is dead. Uh, I think the dog's name is Otis, but in almost every video, there is a dog bed and a dog lying completely motionless. The dog does not move. I swear to God, it does not move. I'm sure the dog is either tranked up to hell or dead. I'm not sure what the case is. 
it is a cute dog. I'll give the dog that. Okay. That doesn't say anything right. about Dennis. Uh, but it's like a, my, it's like a big bulldog. Or one of my favorite Twitter accounts is I forget exactly what it's called, but it's like racist pets, <laughs> and it's people who have like the Abby. It's of just their, Count like, Donkey cute... tweeting, right? No, well, no, no. It, well, it could be yeah, but no, but it's like people that have the like the Abby of their like adorable pet, but then okay, it's just yeah. like the person is just being Person's super racist. Yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. Um, so yeah, all these fireside chats are, are basically improvised by him. He has an outline and there's like a little timer of the different topics he's going to be talking about during the fireside chat that counts down as it goes. But you can tell he's doing everything off the cuff. He did a little time, a little bit of time preparing for his fireside chat, but He's he's really just going for it and just That's, swinging for the That's uh, how the true greats do it, Kevin, as a as an improviser myself. <laughs> Absolutely. So, to give you a better idea of what this person is like, I have a couple of uh, of videos um, Let's do of it. things he said in the past, and we're going to go over one of his fireside chats. But starting with uh, the first one, we're going to go with is uh, from Dennis Prager at the Restore America rally in October of 2014. Uh, and, uh, this is one where he's, uh, you know, he's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. That's the only reason to play this video is to give you right off the bat information on how he's a piece of shit. So here so we go. So he, this is, this is height of tea party then, ish. Yes, that's exactly what this is. Yeah. I was thinking about this lie, gargantuan lie of the war on women. Oh, no. You know, first of all, I, I hate it because I hate lies. Cause okay, uh, cool. Uh, so don't lie dramatic. then. Yeah. Uh, Auschwitz was built on lies. What? All evil. What? All gargantuan evils come from lies. So lies are horrific. Sure. I'm not comparing that to Auschwitz. I'm comparing the notion of lying to its consequences. Okay. Secondly, I was thinking war on women. In my lifetime, the one ism or one movement to make war on women, and I mean this literally, has been feminism. Cool. Great. The feminazis. Yep. Love it. Love it. And a and that room gets full of applause. applause from the crowd. I mean it literally because feminism is the most, first of all, is the, is the most mislabeled movement. It, it is actually masculinism. What? It said, let us emulate so, men. Of course. Does I told you. That it, it, feminism <laughs> is about being more feminine? Like, is that what he thought it was about? What the fuck? Shut the fuck up. I told you there'd be some opining about masculism, right, yeah, going on masculinism. here. This is not exactly in the way that uh, I think uh, I, I gave it across. But yes, he... he it's one of his favorite terms. Masculinity, masculism, whatever, is one of his favorite terms. He, he pulls those that and feminism, those things out as much as he can. But presumably Man. what he's about to say is that, like, he thinks that it has tried to make women more masculine and yes. more like men when they're, they're delicate flowers that should be left alone in the kitchen. I don't know what he's going to say. Something yes, like ba that, basically that. It, but it takes a bad turn. Oh, that wasn't the bad turn? No, there's a much worse oh, okay. turn. Okay, right, Much worse it. turn. And, yeah, much worse. You women, there was nothing to celebrate about feminine nature. What? All that is to be done is to emulate masculine nature. Oh, okay. You He's will have sex okay. like men do. You will pursue career Pause like it. men do. Have sex like men do? <laughs> yes! Who does he think men are having <laughs> sex with? <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly not with other men. In exactly. His eyes. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Precisely. Yeah, so, like, no. That's uh, yeah. 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 Have sex like men do. 
have sex <laughs> like men do. Who? Who is? The, who are these people? Look, Benedict, I know I've sent you plenty of crude drawings of sexual positions. I can yep. send you a couple that demonstrate what I think he's talking about. Uh, but we'll we'll do that off the air. And uh, now we have the debris of all the 40 and 50 year old women who call me and have over the last 25 years to say they bought this. By the way, radio talk show hosts always default to the all of my callers say explanation yeah, yeah. when did, they don't really just, have any foundation. Did he just refer to a whole category of women as debris, by the way? <laughs> yes, yes, basically he did. Cool. He basically he did. And Good now they're stuff. just doing fine in a career. No husband, no children. They, they were promiscuous because they believed in this notion that they could have one-night stands just as easily as men could. Who were the men and, having uh, one-night stands with? Okay, okay. But, but, but look, obviously that's a clear double standard, right? He's just, yeah, he's stupid. defining double standard here. He's very clear, but it's going to take an even worse turn in a moment. I okay. promise me. Can I, can I can I just quickly say, like, anecdota are stupid. Yes. Because America is a really fucking big country. <laughs> I there are three hundred and something million people in this country. I can find you one or two that have had any experience. So I could find you mm-hmm. women that have the uh, exact opposite of this experience as callers to this show. And I could find, <laughs> find you someone who thinks they're a unicorn. Like, yes, by the way, it, we, we do have callers this show. You all just don't get to hear them. This is, yes. All the callers are off the air. Kevin gets, so we can tell Kevin you, gets hate mail. We can tell you about all the callers we have and all the experiences we learn about from them, which are perfectly support the positions we're trying to put forward at any given moment. Funnily so enough. Yeah. Right. And, uh, turned out that they were sold a bill of goods. Oh, there has been a war on women by the feminists and the rest of the left. Sure. But on the feminists issue aren't necessarily issue, the are left. Wait, 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 just just give it a minute. The fractured divisions. See, that's it. The black-white division, oh, no. the male-female division, the old-young division, the, these are the joy division. manufactured. <laughs> there is no war on women. It's absurd. It is just an absurdity. It's a lie. It's a gargantuan lie to get votes. It's as big a lie as the culture of rape on your oh, campuses. No. Yeah. No, what nonsense. No. There's a culture of rape on campuses run by the feminist left? What are, you, what, are you, what are you trying to sell me this nonsense? One in five women are sexually assaulted on campuses? Do you know what sexual assault means? Did you ever look you? at what counts? An no, he doesn't. An unwanted kiss is considered sexual assault. I'm stunned it's only one in five. Four out of five women have not gotten Laughter. an unwanted kiss. Laughter from the audience. Yeah, also, My like... wife gets unwanted kisses every so often. Cool. How fucking gross as a yeah, human Yeah, very being. gross. Um, yeah, not great. Not great all around. Also, just shows like he also knows that people are shit. He's like, oh yeah, people <laughs> unwantedly kiss people all the time. I just don't think that's sexual assault. So no, like, okay, no, like, he doesn't. No, he does like, not. You have a different definition, but by the definition, you're like, yeah, that's that number actually seems low. Like, okay. Um, also, he has a bad speaking voice. He sounds like Mel Brooks doing a bit. He sounds constantly like he has. Three or four uh, large ravioli in his cheeks. He sounds like Jerry Seinfeld if his career never took off. (laughs) (laughs) 
How about this? Uh, how about the? You ever heard about this? You heard about this uh, rape culture? You heard about this stuff? You heard about this? You heard about the war on women? <laughs> so, yeah, he he ends. I, I I have a feeling that was all prepared. He thought that all out ahead of time because he ends with the line, uh, which we're not going to play through. No, I'll tell you why it exists on the campus, and that is a rape of the culture. Oh, so okay. he flipped it around. He turned it around. It's not rape culture. Or- it's rape oratory, culture. oratorial right. skills. So the next one, this one, is one that got a good amount of press back in 2020, February of last year. You may remember hearing about this at some point or another, uh, because I think everyone did. This is Dennis Prager complaining about why he can't say the N-word. Oh, no, this is bad. Oh, That's I, not no, 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 I, I wasn't, because I don't think there is a hatred of Jews and blacks in the United States. I was talking about what? private anti-Semitic and anti-black language used by Presidents right. Truman and Nixon. Yes, bad yes, people. Yes, that's, that's, that's call, caller Steve. Caller Steve came in with um, But you, you mentioned that President Truman used to use the N-word all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, two seconds later, you followed it up with the word kike. Mm-hmm. So... Why didn't I say why, K-word? Why didn't you say, like, the K-word? Because, uh, uh, because the left has made it impossible to say the N-word any longer. That's disgusting. It's a farce. It's the only word that you can't say in the Sorry, English it's language. disgusting that it's you disgusting. can't say it. And and I'll be fair. He's going to qualify it by saying, "Well, you should never call anyone that word." But he still believes But I just want to academically to describe it. it. Whatever, dude. Of course. Of course. That's his position. And my position on the other hand would be that no decent human being ever wants to say that word. <laughs> Don't say any racial slur. That's, that's my, my honest position. opinion. Yeah, that's my honest opinion. So it continues on. I will give him that he qualified it in that way, but going into the rest of it uh, is not worth going into. So now we get to the last video we're going to cover today. And this is one okay. of his fireside chats. This is episode okay. 175 of the fireside chats. It is entitled God, fucking, Dealing oh with the God. Woke Mob. Imagine the like self-righteousness you have to have. And I know we've done a lot of episodes, but 175 fireside yeah. chats in which you are the only person in the room, just a pint, <laughs> thinking people care about what you think about any yes. given topic. Come on. At least we do this together and it's just like we have a joke and a laugh. And like, this is realistically, we just broadcast the once a week catch-ups that we have. Like, <laughs> that's Where all I this force is. you to read things in between. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's just, this is essentially just a book club where we're like drinking wine and just seeing how we feel about life. But imagine having the audacity. We should do. To be we like, should do more of these episodes while drinking. To yeah, be fair. Should. That's true. That's true. I finally get rid of those uh, white claws I keep in my fridge. The uh, the last time I did that, it did not go so well. No, uh, it didn't. That's a story for off the air. That's a story patrons will get to hear. Uh, But so, yes, this is uh, 175, Dealing with the Woke Mob. And in this, uh, he actually has guests. He's not alone on this one. Um, He sits down. Well, then I've just gone a whole rant for no reason. (laughs) Well, it's not much better. Uh, he sits down with some Prager Force students. Oh, good. Uh, you know how it's great when right-wing organizations call themselves a force. Anything um, force, yeah. And these these children, because they're fucking children, um, there are four of them from 16 to 23. So I'm not going to—I'm going to try to avoid playing any of what they have to say because I don't think it's right to make fun of children who have been deluded by this asshole. 
Um, so I don't want to focus on what they have to say, but I do want to focus on why they're there and how, despite the fact that they claim they were all randomly chosen, somehow they ended up with each of the four being perfectly diverse from all of the rest and portraying the immense diversity out there in the conservative youth sphere. Good stuff. Which all I do right, find funny. Good. You're also going to hear at the very beginning uh, some very pathetic, quite pathetic demonstrations of how small um, Prager's little, little group actually is. So here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Fireside Chat number 175. Great to be with you. And I'm not alone. I am with four members of Prager Force. That's the student organization of Prager University. Now, by the way, two of the four, uh, as best as I can gather from their answers to the questions, are not in fact students uh, because they are in their 20s and not in college, from the best that I can discern. So there oh. are two students in high school. Now up to, I was just told by Sabrina, who runs the, the show and does a great job, I might add, 13,000. And how many countries are represented? Do you, do you, do you know? Over 100. Literally over a hundred countries. Oh, I got no, the chills. Figuratively. I really did. Oh, he that, got that the chills. So powerful. Oh, he so, got so. thirteen thousand. You heard him say there. They have thirteen thousand members of Prager Force, their little youth organization. Benedict, would you like to take a gander at how many just college students there are in the United States alone? Not considering those hundred countries he claims they have members. I of. would say. Like, I don't know, 15 million? I have literally no idea. I know Columbia has more students than that. Like, Columbia University. Uh, there are, in fact, you were you were remarkably close, 19.6 million oh, college students in the United States. Yes. Damn. Uh, okay. When you get to all students, elementary, high school, and college, you're in the 59 million student range. So they have Damn, captured okay. a total of decimal point zero 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 who cares <laughs> of that overall number and remember it's, that thirteen thousand that covers a hundred countries not just the united states good stuff. so i love that i love that so much because it demonstrates right up front how pathetic this really is so he goes on for a couple minutes uh after that talking about stuff that doesn't have anything to do with what this, this chat is supposed to be about. He's just talking about uh, some Polish representative he spoke to on his radio show. Um, he never says the guy's name, and my suspicion is because he can't pronounce it. Uh, so he never even says who this guy is, so I Polish had trouble trying to figure to it out. But he described him as the Polish representative to the EU and also a professor of philosophy. Well... The Polish permanent representative to the EU's name is Andrzej Sados. He is not a philosophy professor, so I have no idea if that's even the guy. Uh, but it's also important to remember, Poland has some pretty serious white nationalist problems. Uh, so I have a suspicion that the type of person Dennis Prager would get on his show might fall into that camp. <laughs> we don't he want to slander like, anyone, but maybe. Maybe, maybe. He also, like, during that time, he says cultural appropriation is beautiful and goes on a story about hamantaschen recipes. And he says, 
He also compliments Douglas Murray for being so great despite being secular. It's amazing. We're going to skip all of that. We're going to go to about 15 minutes in. And this is when he's speaking to um, one of the students who is a 17-year-old Mormon girl. Uh, And this is his interjection that he jumps in on uh, when she's speaking. Well, let let me tell you something you might not have been told. My suspicion is that putting theology aside, Mormons may be the most admired group in America. (laughs) That's where his mind goes. (laughs) This girl, he started talking to her about, right, do people ever give you crap for being Mormon or whatever? And she's like, no, not really. (laughs) And his jump in is Mormons. But if you don't consider the theology, if you don't consider the theology, Mormons are so great. Main point of the whole thing aside. I love, I just love that. That stuck out to me so much uh, when I watched this through the first time. I was like, really, Dennis, you're speaking to children, man. You're fucking speaking to children. Uh, I love that. I I absolutely love that. So we're going to jump forward a little bit more to about uh, 18 minutes into the video. Uh, and at this point, he's speaking to a different one of the children uh, who is 16 years old and homeschooled. Okay. And uh, this, this is how that section of the conversation goes. As you might imagine, uh, not great. Okay. Kids in your high school? I'm homeschooled, but I have... Oh, you're homeschooled. God, are you lucky. I mean it. <laughs> yeah. You are. You're lucky. I am. I love being homeschooled. I, we need to do a fireside chat. With homeschool the people. Please, please is, do, Dennis. That is what he's doing right now. This is literally, that is what is happening right now. Right. I don't know how many of these other uh, kids are homeschooled, but yeah, I would but suspect... but you've got at least one, so it's fine. Right, you've got, got one out of now. four. You've got 25% there. Because th- sending your kid to a regular school today uh, is... is is flirting with uh, with Russian roulette. So your kid might die. Has a one in six chance of like shooting themselves in the face. Cool. So, Which is so probably I not. <laughs> no, I, I I get I get what you're saying. Given yeah. the fact that we have a massive gun problem uh, yeah. in all our schools. Yeah. I think the reason I wanted that clip in uh, was because one, it's very clear in that clip how he improvises almost everything. How oh, he's yeah. sitting there thinking and umming and awing and all that, and he's he's not really prepared. And uh, earlier he did say that he didn't learn any of their questions ahead of time, so that he would be able to, you know, prepare uh, to speak with any of these children. He's just answering everything right off the cuff. Um, and also because obviously PragerU is a anti-education organization, and that's that's core to its mission is destroying education in the United States now. We have one more clip. We'll get through this real quick, and uh, I'll just I'll let it speak for itself. Five people. I'll take them live. Okie doke. All right. So my question's about uh, cancel culture and everything going on today. And <laughs> by the way, forgive me. No, no problem. They <laughs> asked me, "Do you want to know our questions before we Stop go?" Stop saying on, that, on, you fucking weird. And I said, "Absolutely not. I want this to be totally spontaneous. So if you want to ask me the capital of Moldavia." You're totally free to do so. Go ahead. Do you know it? What is the capital? I think it's Kishinev. Okay. okay. (laughs) We'll have to fact check that. (laughs) I don't think think Moldavia is a country. Moldova is a country. Moldavia is not a country. (laughs) 
Okay, Moldova is the westernized or the the uh, uh, whatever. You, um, it, what do you call it? What do you change something for English? I don't remember. Anglicized. What it is. Anglicized is the anglicized version. Uh, it was previously called the Principality of Moldavia. Okay. Uh, so yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. But again, and it's, it's, it's Chisinau. A, it's not Chisinau. I love how this serious question he took. He turned to being about fun facts because yeah. we've talked about this before. I think the right thinks intelligence is knowing fun facts. I really yeah, think no, that's that their true. idea of what intelligence that is. Definitely is. True. That is true. And to be fair, so yeah, he, yeah, whatever. Yep. Maybe it might be Chishinev from like the 80s, but it's definitely Chishinev now. So that's <sighs> it. That's what we have for Dennis Prager. There's a lot more we could do on him, right? But we try not to overwhelm you or ourselves for these interstitial yeah. episodes. So that's that's what we got. Next week, we'll be talking, or next, not the next time, uh, the next interstitial, we'll be talking about PragerU, getting a little bit more in depth there, giving you a better idea of what exactly they are, what they do, how how horrible they are, really, to be honest. So, that's it. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. Become a patron for as little as $2 an episode. That's $4 a month because we don't charge you for these interstitial episodes. For shoutouts on the show, early episodes, drawing to win our copies of the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Dexter, Allison, Corey Bidding, Megan Ruth, Sabi Aquino, Glaurung the Deceiver, Danielle, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taro Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Andrew Jenko. Thank you, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, bang. Goodbye. Goodbye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.